1: calm down everyone.
0: All right we're back. Paul's rambling about nonsense and nonsensical uh, rambling. Yeah and we're back. another episode of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, a movie podcast and I'm joined by my uh, faithful co-hosts Daniel Harper and Paul Romali. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Lee the floating head. I am. I'm floating head tonight. (laughs) Yeah I don't know how
2: faithful (laughs) I am but
0: uh sure go yeah go ahead. Yeah we're good. You've never cheated on me baby. Come on now.
2: It's always with consent,
0: so we're good. It okay. is, yes. Uh, so this is going to be the first episode of our sort of initial jumping into Italian horror directors. Uh, it's going to be all months in October. And then, of course, I'm just going to make it a series, so we can always go back to it at some point and... I think definitely with this episode, we want to go back to some other films with this director at some point, because uh, on reflection, perhaps some of the choices are not probably the best introductions to this director, but uh, we'll get more into that as we review the movies. But yeah, we're going to be doing Lucio Fulci tonight, and uh, we picked two films from his extensive fucking filmography. He has over 50 films. And uh, we're going to be doing Host by the Cemetery and A Cat in the Brain. But before then, if any of you guys have anything you've watched in the last little while, and if you want to talk about it, uh, now's your chance. I know Paul has watched a couple things, so if you want to talk about those.
1: Yeah, I fast-forwarded through a couple things. Um, (laughs) I watched the um, H.P. Lovecraft The Tomb, and I can't tell you who made it or, or what, you know, I didn't really get into the specifics of the movie. All I know is they took the basic idea of a few films that they heard about once, put put it like Pickman, Pickman's Model, uh, Case of Charles Dexter Ward. They put like random drops in the film, made the tomb, which would have been an epic movie for either Full Moon or like Hammer Hard to do, and completely mm-hmm. changed it, made it into like this weird slasher corpses talking to themselves, but you know what's going to happen at the end. It just kind of ruined the whole movie for me. And I say this as a tomb fanatic. I like the movie Tomb. I think the movie, the, the story Tomb would be a very great film, but this one, not so much. And I don't know about you guys, but this there's a certain style of filming. Back in the day, it was VHS filming. If you saw a film shot on VHS, it was usually shit kittens. Um, and basically, and that's what Whatever they're shooting on now with digital cameras, it looks like shit.
0: So I, I, I totally agree. I hate fucking digital film. Yes, please I stop really doing do. that. If you're gonna I
1: know film costs money, but if you're gonna do something, make sure you spend the money and do it right.
0: Well here well here's the thing. People aren't really making celluloid anymore. They're not doing it. I mean film digital film unfortunately is the future of the film industry. It really is. I mean uh now to buy celluloid, uh especially if you want to get like a specialized a uh, certain format of celluloid, like if you want to get like a certain like seventy millimeter or something like that, you gotta pay out the fucking yin yang to get it at this point yeah. like, it, it's just it's ridiculous and there there is definitely a difference like you look at a film like a classic film shot on like thirty five millimeter or something like that you compare it to a digital video uh, it's night and day, and honestly, watching a lot of digital film like some people manage to do it right and make it look good. But for the most part, a lot of those films, they just take me out of it. Like, I don't feel like I'm watching a film anymore. I feel like I'm just watching something that's staged and looks fake to me. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. I don't know. It might just be my personal experience with it. But uh, I, I really don't like digital film for the most part.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the sense of disbelief. You don't get that very much with that because you're so stuck outside the film you can't get into it is easy I mean the same thing went back in the day with the straight to, straight to VHS copies too I mean I just couldn't watch them as, and get into them as, as easy as regular films but uh, that I watched that which give it a go let me know what you think I mean I'm wrong I know I'm wrong it's easy but uh, <laughs> the other one I watched which was a little bit better stupid special effects now and again they kind of that, to help bump up the, uh, the the bad guys a little bit. But I watch Medium Raw, which is a serial killer slash cannibal uh, film with a edge of a werewolf note to it because the one guy directs literally dresses up as a giant mechanical wolf. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty interesting. Like like it, it has like this uh, m- built metal armor that kind of thing. Pretty easy film plot, and you can basically the guy's uh, the main. Uh, protagonist in the film, his sister was murdered by this beast when he was young. She was young as well. And then basically he's tracking him, tracking the killer down the rest for another 15 years. The, the story takes place basically in this giant colony, cannibal underground jail. Uh, so basically the whole film takes care, basically place in this giant jail where you start to get the backstory and all the, the cannibals that are in the jail and all the maximum security reasons and the... Uh, the, perf- the uh, psychiatric professor that runs it. So if you've seen a movie based in the woods with a psychiatric colony of werewolves howling, you know what's going on. You kind of know what's going on. <laughs> so you know the plot twist. I mean, you can kind of figure it out. But it's not a bad movie. Give it a go. Check it out, especially if you like more like shoot 'em up crime stuff with some fighting and whatnot. So give it a go.
0: Interesting. Uh, is there anything you saw,
2: Daniel, or uh, not? Uh, nothing in particular that I can talk about here. No movies. Yeah. I've been, uh, I mean, just watching the two that we had to watch for this, I was kind of all the
0: time I had. Yeah, uh, so. and, uh, any thoughts on, uh, digital versus, uh, celluloid?
2: You know, I, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, you you put your finger on it yourself. I mean, digital is the way, not, a, not, not of the future, it is the way of the present. I mean, celluloid has kind of gone away. You know, in 10 or 15 years, the only way you're going to see a film made on celluloid is if it is some, you know... Artisanal product of, I mean, it's just, it's a commercial filmmaking it just isn't made that way anymore. I think that part of the reason, I haven't seen the film that, uh, that Paul was talking about, so I can't speak to it, but I think a lot of the thing is cinematographers are still, uh, or directors of photography are still learning how to adapt to digital mm-hmm. and still figuring out, like, how to shoot stuff to make it look good, especially on low budget, low light conditions, for instance, like doing, like, film noir and that sort of thing, um, tends to look really shitty or it tends to look digital as opposed yeah. to film. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things with digital is just that it's higher resolution than film. Um, yeah. Film, you know, it looks quote unquote like film, but it's actually lower fidelity than the digital image.
0: Are so we digital were...
2: images tend to look like you know like soap operas because they're shot on you know videotape. Which yeah. Is, again, higher resolution. Are film. we are the
1: ones that were talking about uh, the back in the day when we watched the film, the VHS version of a film, and you're like blown away, and then you watch the New remastered HD version of the film. You're like, well, that looks horrible.
0: I well, mean, if, we, you know, we actually we actually talked about that last week with the Terminator in brief. Uh, yeah, okay, how, yeah, how the effects don't look as good on the DVD version compared to the VHS copies. Yeah,
2: right. And it's yeah. all. That's all in kind of how it was designed to look. I mean, ultimately, I, th- I think that it, it can be done. It's just a new technology. It's just it's it's still. I mean, even though it's 15 years old now, I mean, it's it's still relatively new in terms of, like, how people are, are using it and, and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I think that ultimately, I mean, if you look at, um, for instance, if you look at the uh, the indie revolution, quote-unquote, of the, the mid-'90s, you look at the work that, like, Kevin Smith had to do to make Clerks and spent $30,000, that movie can be made for just, you know, a couple of grand these days because you yeah. don't have to buy film. And so it really opens up the market to uh, low-budget, independent filmmakers if they know what to do, if they can actually do good, good quality cinematography. I it think really, it's, just, it's just tools, it's just how you use it. I mean, that's kind of the bottom
0: yeah, line. Yeah, it really it really does, and I feel like the technology will eventually get to the point where you won't notice a difference anymore mm-hmm. because it's digital and you can actually manipulate it mm-hmm. to make it look like old film. I mean, you look at uh, what Robert Rodriguez is doing with, like he did on Grindhouse and stuff like that, where he basically made... He, sh- he shoots all the shit in digital and he made his uh, part of the Grindhouse feature basically look like a VHS right. movie essentially. So, I mean, it can be done. I mean, at this point people go, oh, it feels artificial. He's just a hipster or whatever. I-, I feel like in maybe 10 or 15 years that won't be the case anymore. People will just accept it and it'll be that good. At the same time, I'm not for that. I mean, I, I honestly I still really do sort of love the purity of celluloid, but I mean I have to acknowledge that I'm not going to see a lot of celluloid film in the coming years. You
1: know that. You already yeah. know. You're already self-aware of the fact that, that it's just not going to happen.
2: Yeah. We're so, just mean, point, it's we're, just too we're, expensive. I mean, yeah, it's, the the line, line. it's
1: too we're expensive. We're in the film industry point now where, now this is a cross-reference, but metal, black metal and stuff was back in a few like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The technology was there where you could get it and put it on your own computer. You didn't have to go anyplace. You didn't have to spend a lot of money. Any and the quote was any dickhead in his bedroom with a guitar and microphone could make a black metal album. And you didn't need it, and they didn't make a lot of good ones. Let's just say that. You know what I mean? It was easier. And now we're at the point now, anyone with a camera thinks they can make a fucking movie, and sometimes it doesn't work out so good. And sometimes you get the Justin Van Biebers or the Jim the Jim Van Biebers. You know, you get the you know you get the ones that really do really great independent
0: films, and then you get a lot of shit. Well that's yeah. that's the thing it opens it opens up the uh it opens up the doors for independent people to actually make a quality film and get it seen by people. I think I mean I think that's probably the best thing about it because you know it it's no longer it's no longer the studios dominating everything. Now the studios are forced to have to try to buy these things from independents. So I think I think to a degree it's it's it is a good thing. It mm-hmm. it, it opens the doors for cre- creativity at the very least. So
1: and the internet is is there to push people's workouts for the masses to see which is nice too yeah
0: yeah yeah it's uh, just
2: just uh, piggybacking very briefly on what you said Lee I mean it is like the or uh, Paul excuse me the explosion in terms of like lowering the barrier to entry does mean more people do it and then you know you get a lot of crap that comes out of that mm-hmm. but you can get you know, good shit that comes out of it, it's just that previously the only people that could afford to do it were people who had, you know, who were super passionate and who had spent the twenty thousand
0: dollars or whatever to actually make it happen. Yeah. So, <laughs> like the, I think I think the last generation was like Kevin Smith maxing out his fucking credit cards for that yeah.
2: shit. I, absolutely, yeah. absolutely and today he wouldn't have to, you know? No. And how many how many kind of second rate I mean, how many people who might have been Kevin Smith given another couple of films under their belt? Or Quentin Tarantino yeah. or Robert Rodriguez, who made something that wasn't very good. They spent all their they spent their all their cash on it, and then it just kind of disappeared. Whereas if they'd spent five hundred dollars or five thousand instead of fifty thousand, and then could have come back from that and then made another film and another film, how many of those people could have then gone on to to better careers? So. Yeah, it, you
0: know. And they all and they all have now they have the social media platforms that none of the people in the 90s had. I mean, there's been like basically a sea change as far as being able to promote your film at this point. So
1: yeah, yeah we're not yeah. that bitter old men. We just have a hard time accepting some things. We get,
0: we get <laughs> yeah, there pretty, in the, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think we can we have no comments or anything like that. So we, I think we can get ready. Damn right you, into Greg. It. Yeah, Greg didn't, uh, didn't go well. didn't by listen the... to the
2: episode in the last two days and post an uh, 800-word uh, comment?
0: No, but uh, I must say we we are doing this episode in sort of short notice, and by the way, I appreciate the fact that both of you were able to uh, take the time to show up earlier in the week and record with me, so I appreciate that, by the way. but I'm w-
2: doing this instead of getting laid, by the way,
0: so you should you should appreciate it. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that. Awesome. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, w- we're going to start off our initial little jump into the Italian horror director's uh, sort of series. We're going to be talking about uh, Lucio Fulci. And he was born in 1927, died in 1996. Uh, he's best known as sort of like his, I think the moniker most people give him is sort of the godfather of gore as far yeah. as far as Italian directors go. He directed more than 50 films in his career. Uh, yeah. He started He started out in the 1960s. Actually, 1959, but in the 1960s he's directed about 18 different Italian sort of comedy films early in his career. A lot of them are just, like, unknown films at this point that no one's ever fucking seen. Uh, In 1969 he moved on to the thriller uh, arena... And he did a lizard in woman's skin. He did a couple other films. He did four for the uh, of the apocalypse, which is sort of a mix of horror and spaghetti western. His really first international breakthrough, although, was uh, Zombie Two in the European markets, which was sort of marketed as a uh, successor to. Dawn of the Dead, which was uh, a big breakthrough in the Italian uh, film market, when it it essentially showed there. Uh, Dario Argento, of course, was uh, producing it for for the uh, European market. His biggest period of success was from about 1979 to 81 or 82, where he had a series of films come out. Um, He had City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, The House by the Cemetery, which we are covering tonight, uh, The Black Cat, New York Ripper, and Manhattan Baby. That was all between uh, 1980 and 1982. Before that, uh, of course, I said uh, Zombie was like his big sort of jump into his success. He's probably notable for being very heavily censored in North American markets and also in British markets. He was uh, featured on the sort of video nasties kind of list for quite a while. This film was on it that we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he kind of died off after that, sadly enough. Uh, He had a lot of health problems. His career sort of uh, tapered off because of his health problems. He tried to revive it a little bit in the 90s uh, to moderate success or just basically no success at all. One of the few heartwarming things about him is that he showed up at a uh, horror film, film convention in the 90s and had a multitude of people basically trying to get his autograph and talk to him. He had actually no idea that uh, he was so well-loved in the North American horror market, so that's that's a nice little capping off of his career. And at the very least, uh, he, he really did have a lot of bad health problems. So He had diabetes and uh, several other health problems, so it kind of hampered his career to a certain degree. And also, he was in the sort of uh, decline of the... Italian film market. It sort of peaked around 1985 or so, and after that, it was sort of diminishing returns for just about every Italian exploitation director. They just didn't catch up with what Hollywood was doing, even though they were imitating Hollywood. And I think we'll probably get more into that when we review the films. Yeah, I think we're going to start with... What, what What did I tell you, Daniel, that we were going to start with? because The House we talked
2: by the Cemetery. The House by the Cemetery, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, we will start with *Host by the Cemetery*. Oh,
1: have you been to Mrs. Peterson?
3: What do you say to a widow who finds out her husband butchered his mistress and then took his own life? That's where Peterson hanged himself from that iron ring. <laughs> You. You've come. However, I told you very clearly. I tried, but my mother wouldn't listen. She said Daddy had to do some research here. You shouldn't have come, Bob. You shouldn't have. Oh, no. oh, oh, oh. Him, slaughter the woman he loved, and then hang himself.
1: Well, uh,
0: I don't know. The human mind. Yeah. A research project on suicide with a researcher commits suicide. Don't go inside, whoever you are.
3: Don't go inside. Someone's in here, mommy! There's someone down there! Get the door open!
1: Keep away from the door.
3: No, I will.
2: Don't worry, Bobby. I'll get you out.
3: Why? Who's there? Who's in this house? Dr. Freudstein. Bob!
0: should have listened to what I said. Uh, 1981, no, also known as Zombie Hell House, and of course directed by Fulci, uh, written by Eliza Brigante. Lucio Fulci also added to this. Uh they credit HP Lovecraft as inspiration for this film. And uh Gio Goro Mazzoro just just so everyone knows, while we're doing this Italian series, I'm gonna totally butcher most of the fucking names Giro, we
1: come Goro, up with. Moro, Zorro, yeah. Watch Lee
2: Lee just says, Yeah, it's a random string of vowels. Like let's just let's just get on. Pretty, with it. pretty much.
0: <laughs> Guido,
1: Guido, Canoli, Cannoli. cannoli.
0: And Mark. also, uh, Dardano Serechetti. What what
2: this I is the fuck? best part of the show. It's better so far.
0: not to say their names than it is to butcher them this way. Ladies.
2: This guy, that guy, this guy, that
1: girl, this guy.
0: Okay, let's do yeah. uh, I'm crediting someone, at least in at least some alternate universe where their name makes sense. So it's starring uh, Katerina McCall as Lucy Boyle, Paolo Marco as Dr. Norman Boyle. Uh, Ania Peroni as Anne, uh, Giovanni Frazetta as Bob, oh god, Bob, fuck Bob, yeah, uh, <laughs> Sylvia Colatina as May, uh, Dagmar Lassander as Laura, and Giovanni Di Nava as Dr. Freudenste- Freudenstein, Freudenstein, yeah, I gotta get that right. Freudstein. Um, uh, does, do, do any of you want to try to tackle the uh, synopsis for the plot of this film?
2: by any chance? Paul, Somebody perhaps. saw The Shining and the Amityville Horror and decided, let's do that, but in Italian and then debit? Isn't that kind of the plot? That sounds
0: yeah. pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. this this sort of involves a... Uh, I, I, I can't even like really tell what a Dr. Noman Boyle's uh, doctorate is in. Like, I can't quite remember. I think it's like psychiatry or something like that. But um, him and his family essentially go to this house that is uh, instantly, you know, it's basically a haunted house to some degree. He's taking his family there to take up the work of his his contemporary who apparently had killed his girlfriend and hung himself in the house. He was, stu- he was doing studies on suicide, apparently. They get to the house and a lot of weird shit starts happening. Their son, Bob, basically is having these encounters with a... Sort of ghostly uh, girl and her mother. They're trying to warn Bob and the rest of the family about the menace that lives in the basement of the house, and that is essentially the plot of the film. I just want to sort of start by saying, before anyone gets into the thoughts of this film, Lucio Fulci is not big on plot, especially when it
1: never makes sense. That's the point.
0: Yeah, when he, when he gets to his horror films, especially, like, a lot of his earlier films actually make sense. They actually do. But once he gets to his horror period, uh, a lot of his stuff is very nonsensical. It does not fit the conventions of standard plot. You, you have to go into it understanding that he's much more about mood, set pieces, and sort of a dream-like kind of narrative to his films as opposed to, like, a typical narrative that you can actually follow and understand. So... I I think I'll go to Daniel first because part part of the series is to try to get Daniel sort of indoctrinated into Italian filmmaking. And honestly, this is probably one of the weirder fucking Fulci films, so I'm actually really interested in hearing what he'll have to <laughs> say about it. I want
1: to see the guy that thinks he kind of knows exactly what Fulci's trying to do, then watch and watch Manhattan, baby, and go, I don't fucking know. I just don't know.
0: <laughs> Yeah, but, but we'll go we'll go to you, Daniel first. What are your sort of initial thoughts on this film? I will say
2: I had uh, seen zombie before uh, mm-hmm. watching this. I have seen zombie, uh, which I I guess I just didn't realize it was a Fulci film. I knew it was Argento, but I didn't realize it was Fulci. So yay, I've seen a Fulci film before now. Uh, I like <laughs> zombie actually. It's it's good. I mean now that now that you say that, I'm like, well obviously it fits in that same you know like style, uh, whereby there's there's virtually nothing really going on thematically or interestingly, except for you know it kind of. Um, rips off some other movies, and then has some really cool gore scenes that Mm -hmm. don't look remotely realistic, but look cool (laughs) nonetheless. And that's kind of the point. Structurally, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Audition, the Miike film, which uh, basically exists of, you know, okay, so we're going to make you sit through uh, 90 minutes of kind of nothing much going on and then give you some really freaky shit at the end that, that makes you leave the theater happy. And that's, yeah. I think, what this movie uh, definitely does. It borrows structurally from again the Amityville Horror and The Shining. The supernatural elements I thought were pretty well handled in terms of, you know, it is kind of uh, legitimately creepy. Um, but this movie really could have been about twenty-five minutes long, and that's, you know, like like I just I just kind of the, the first like hour or so I'm really I don't care. Like I lost track of any semblance of plot, any semblance of who these people were. I'm just kind of letting it wash over me and just enjoying the mood. Open a beer, and then once you get to the end, it's kind of like, oh, now I kind of get why I sat through all this. But really, I, I didn't have to. I could have just started at 60 minutes, and it would have
0: been fine. But yeah. Right on. Um, Paul, what's your sort of initial thoughts on this one?
2: That,
1: this is the first fil- uh, Fulci film I ever saw. So it's my indo- indoctrination to Fulci when I first started watching the, the film genres. I like the film. There's definitely a house, and there's definitely a cemetery. So don't worry about that, guys. I like the bat. Yeah. I like the bat that bleeds from every orifice and has a <laughs> gallon of blood in it when you stab it. So yeah. I want to find bats like that and I want to stab them and make a lot of mess. Yeah, but it's it supernatural. It There's good a lot with... of
0: it looks great when it's flapping around, though. It doesn't look yeah. like one of those hammer bats.
1: No, there's a little bit of a rubberiness to the wings that make it actually look like it's real, like bat flesh. It's pretty interesting.
0: I kept expecting
2: the guy to like stab his on stab through his on hand. Like, yeah, I, I kept, yeah, yeah. I kept. I like thought,
1: he looked at the scissors like, eh, "Am I gonna do this? Yeah, fuck
2: it." If if I'm sitting there with a, and I've got a bat clawing at me and I'm in my kitchen, I drown the fucker. Like that's sort of my goal.
0: Mm-hmm. instead
2: of, like, risking stabbing through my own hand.
0: If if you've like, got a bat the size of a fucking fruit bat on your fucking hand... You're smashing that in every fucking wall. You fucking exactly. run into exactly. <laughs> I
2: wouldn't. You're right. You but you don't grab like a pair of scissors and like decide I'm gonna like
0: stab through it. You, you don't start... wait three minutes and decide. Okay, I'm gonna stab it now. You, right. you go.
1: You go all ash from Evil Dead 2 and chop off your own hand with a Exactly. Yeah.
2: Um, I actually, I actually knew a guy who looked a lot like the the male protagonist of this film. Yeah. I, I kept getting distracted because I like I knew a guy who looked almost exactly like that, and I kept being like. Well, Jonathan would never have like
0: done, he like, done that. He she never would have done that. He never would have gone in the basement and tried to fucking hatchet fucking Dr. Frankenstein in the face
2: <laughs> with that tiny little hatchet, you know. We're gonna we're gonna slice through this door with a tiny hatchet.
1: Yay. I almost want to say that's the same hatchet that appears in Cat in the Brain later that is as sharp as any hatchet in the world. Could have been. Could've been. <laughs> the, any, uh, the anything I else.
2: Can can I can I give it a a, a moment of praise? A, a yeah, yeah praise. Go ahead. I did like the uh, putting the child in danger. Yeah, That's I liked good. the uh, slicing through the uh, the the door of uh, yeah. the child right by the thing. I, I thought that was uh, an effective scene because I think at this point, like. You know, you're usually when you're watching any kind of film, you're like, well, they're never gonna hurt the kid. But I think, you know, in these, yeah, I think but the it's one of the genre is like, well, they might actually like slice the kid's head off. You know,
0: like and he actually did road. get sliced in the face. Like the, the yeah. Blade yeah. cut him the side of the cheek, and that is that is a motif. And this is a film we'll eventually do, hosted by this uh, city. Uh, no, no, yeah, city of living dead. There, that is a motif that uh, Fulci, Fulci had. Uh, oh which um, enacts basically coming through wood close to a person's face. He, he effectively does it there. Of course, that's that definitely is a take on The Shining in, in that scene, definitely. I Overall, I actually do like this film a lot. Uh, I will admit totally that this is the lesser of his sort of uh, trilogy of better-known films. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is sort of considered uh, part of his death trilogy, which also includes City of Living the Living Dead and Seven. the Beyond. Yeah. yeah. And this was the, and basically he made all those movies within the span of about a year and a half or so. Wow. Um, and this, this is definitely a lesser of those films. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's much more scatterbrained as far as plot goes to yeah. a certain degree. If you're a newbie going into Fulci, it's, it's definitely a bit more confusing. Uh but if if you've had a lot of Fulci films under your belt you kinda realize what he's going for with his horror films where he's not really <laughs> I'm gonna say, I
2: wasn't confused because I didn't pay enough attention to be confused maybe. It was it was a <laughs> little just like oh there's there there's this guy on the screen with the beard and then there's the lady, okay. And then there's the ghost who's like trying to help the little girl and there's the boy and you know, I, I would have gotten just as much out of it watching it on mute, honestly. It was it was that was that was the level of detail I got into the yeah, uh, I, the plot of the film. I, I yeah. mean,
0: he 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 does not center on plot a lot. I mean, if you look at this film, all the characters basically make no sense. I mean, he, he, like, the husband and wife, they're having problems. The wife is incredibly stupid. I mean, she, like, the babysitter character,
1: who knows why yeah, I was going man- to the- mention her there are some subtle red herrings in here that just randomly make no sense uh she's probably the most evil person in the whole movie that has nothing to do with the actual plot even though she she cleans up blood and doesn't mention it
0: yeah it's like you you <laughs> never that. you never really know why she's in the movie like there there's a hint that like there's foreshadowing in the movie the movie starts to try to confuse you to what the little red-haired Girl is like, is she a ghost? Is she a psychic? Is she, you know, communicating with Bob? By the way, who the fuck calls her kid Bob? Who who calls her child Bob? Your your kid is called Robert or or Bobby or Bobby or something like that. No one calls their kid Bob until he's forty five.
2: Who's whose kid really? Uh, has a voice like a like an adult man doing a uh, vaguely childlike yeah.
0: voice though. I'm, so.
2: sure, I'm not sure I mean, if this is
1: the same deal, but a lot of Italian movies were actually filmed with no sound. Yeah. Because yeah. there were so many films going on at the same time in the area that they just did without sound, and then because it was such a hustle and bustle, loud thing, you can never shut everybody up at the time. So then they just overdub anything. But he does sound like a
0: twenty-year-old, which is pretty yeah. Well, yeah, that was that was indicative of the film industry in in Italy up even right up into the two thousands. I think they even still do it today to some degree. That that was in part because the Italian film industry was in the war. Was devastated. Like they just didn't have sound stages and shit after the war. And the one, the couple sound stages they did have weren't necessarily the greatest. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was just sort of tradition that you dubbed the sound afterwards.
2: Maybe, maybe this kid was that uh, kid from that Ray Bradbury story where uh, you know he's he's like this immortal who's like ten years old. <laughs> kind of like. Yeah. I
0: I I well, I'll just say right now I hated Bob. I wish he had been killed in the film.
2: I've hated him every time I've seen him.
0: I'm just going to put that out there. because He's like this
2: amalgam of Haley Joel Osment and Anakin Skywalker.
0: Yeah, And, 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 it, one kid, it, you know? and it also didn't help <laughs> that uh, the sort of Italian translation kind of doesn't work in English to some degree. Because it's like uh, when, when he gets to the town, the kid gets to the town with his family. And he again sees uh, May, the little girl. Uh, mm-hmm. She says, hey, Bob, I'm here. Look across the street. And then he goes, hi, I'm Bob. It's like, yeah. like, yeah, I know. You're Bob. I've been yeah. talking to you for, like, the beginning of the fucking movie, saying your fucking name, you little asshole. It's like, wow. That, that ghost has a lot of patience. I just got to mm-hmm. put it right there.
1: Well, she's got nothing uh, better to do.
0: I, I do like this film quite a bit just for its style and its mood. Uh, if you're going into it for plot or any sort of anything that makes sense of the characters, like we said, the babysitter character, I don't know where the fuck she comes from. I don't know what she's supposed to be in the film. I don't know what significance she has, other than to end up dying at the end of the film. Other than that, it's like—is uh, she supposed to have had an affair with with the with the uh, with the husband? Because I think they kind of apply that once in a while in the film, but they never really pay it off. Yeah. Because like, there's this impl- implication that the husband has been to the town before. Without Mm -hmm. his family, and has been doing the research and stuff on. um, And I'll just say, like, uh, the the plot is essentially centered around this doctor Freudstein, who has been doing experiments. He's been alive since the Victorian era and living in the basement of his house, Mm -hmm. uh, basically using the blood cells of his victims to sort of re-energize his own blood cells and keep. We we know where
2: we know where Del Toro got it for Hellboy, really.
0: Like that was the, uh, yeah. It's, it's
2: yeah,
1: the yeah. same idea you know yeah if you uh, if you look it it almost seems like because they focus right at the beginning of the film with the two lovers and then she dies they focus in on the hand you see the ring later and then you see her almost f- effeminate hand as his hand later mm-hmm. if you look because he's got one good hand that there's a tomb in the living room if the wife finds and yeah. it's a, it, this is a psychology haunted house serial killer. Film all mixed up into one. It's an amalgamation of different things. The line I always thought was funny goes, "Oh, that's normal around here. You know, when it gets cold in the winter, the ground's hard as a rock, so they just bury people in houses." I'm like, "Really? I didn't know that. I live <laughs> in America."
0: It just, it just sounds like bullshit, but um, yeah.
1: And if you I, look, if you go down to the basement, which obviously they've been down there at some point in time without getting killed, if you look up, you see the tomb. You see it. It's like right mm-hmm. there. Obviously, it's not a tomb. It's just a plaque in a wall in the yeah. floor. Uh, yeah. th- there's a couple things that I know. There's been a, a few cuts to the film. The, the depending on what version you feel, you you watch, there's uh, up to like uh, eighteen minutes or something of the film cut out from the yeah. original. Uh, there, the caretaker that that passes away in the middle of the room after she gets stuck into the tomb crack, I guess. Yeah, the um, uh,
0: real estate agent. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she get there's a a, a large section of her death cut out because after he stabs her, then he mutilates her face and pulls out her eyeball, and you see the continuity error when he drags the body later. You see half of her face completely mangled where it wasn't initially. Uh, The gore effects in the films are pretty good. The Dr. Freudstein himself is a very odd take on on a mummified person, but the stuff that comes out of him when he's stabbed, I always like that. I I do appreciate the the rotten guts and maggots. Uh, Fulte never seems to... um, let me down in that aspect. <laughs> um, the like the uh,
2: buccaki, the blood bukkake coming from the uh, lady's
0: uh, windpipe. Yeah,
2: oh, yeah, was, yeah. You know. ah!
0: yeah I, I think we'll, I think we'll talk on that for a second. Uh, I mean, since this is our sort of introduction to Fulci for this podcast, at least, uh, just, I'll just mention that one of the biggest motifs for him is uh, when he does his gore stuff, he just goes absolutely overboard insane where there's, like, much more blood and destruction to the body than would be possible at all. Um, just look at the bat. The yeah. Bat. yeah. The, the, he stabs the bat in one place and then, like, blood starts leaking out of, like, five different holes. Out of, out of, out of everywhere, yes. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, you point out a good continuity error there. Like, that was a scene that wasn't even shown in any version of the film where she gets her eye torn out. Like, that was just totally cut and destroyed. Yeah
1: bolty um, uh, didn't like the uh, effect of it, so it was just destroyed you
0: you look at his like when he ever do, whenever he does gore scenes in the film he he uses sound he uses noises that you would never hear when someone's being stabbed or killed or whatever yeah, yeah. like you know the person's throat gets crushed and it's like yeah.
1: you know they just like, twist the celery around a little bit. There you go.
0: Yeah, I mean, like
2: well, he. Well, and you can like uh, decapitate or like stick your just just take like a cane and just stick it right into somebody's body and just like like as if ball. people's flesh is made out of play doh. You know, like yeah, that's pretty much. Sort of, well, know, the Italian people's flesh is made of play doh. Well, it's really it's really like a deep metaphor about how we are all made of clay, really, and so we are not of, of godlike essence. <laughs> We're all <laughs> of earth. It's it's really this a deep metaphor in Fulci's films, I
0: think. Yeah, um, <laughs> good call. Good call <laughs> the, the only actual thing, and, that that, and that's out.
2: ultimately why they are vulnerable to this supernatural being because they're, they're they are clay. sinful and uh, not uh, not made of the thing of the gods. You know?
0: they're it's, they're made of clay, and Doctor Freudstein's made of fucking spaghettios and yeah, made of <laughs> SpaghettiOs. <laughs> spaghettios with SpaghettiOs. meatballs. Yeah, because <laughs> when you stab him initially, like when he uh, at the end of the film where uh, the husband stabs him. Uh, it, it basically looks like fucking spaghetti and meatballs coming out. I was thinking like beef stroganoff. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, a, and, and then then it moves to the maggots. So all of a sudden yeah. maggots are coming out. And then the
2: maggots come out. So it's like, oh, I, I had some beef stroganoff. I cooked it. I left it out for like a month. And then, like, Oh look, you know maggots. <laughs> yeah, that, that fills
0: our maggot budget for for this film. <laughs> the only
1: thing I, the only thing that's a little odd on this one is, I guess, because I guess this is supposed to be maybe not the easiest thing to get, but the, the use the with the way the way I guess they use the you name Freudstein is mm-hmm. they play on Sigmund Freud about the the childlike mentality of, of of children and that inner 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 play, and so you're supposed to be locked in like a child mi- mindset. And and that adds to the, then are supposed to add that to the paranormal aspects of it. It's something that you don't get because there's a Steen on the end of it, so you don't. Oh, it must be Freud. It's all about and, Freud. Yeah, sure yeah, it is. but the, even even when Freudstein gets injured, he cries like a baby, like a child. You can hear a child's voice the whole time. Yeah, he um,
0: makes childlike noises. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh,
2: it's not, Paul. It's not. It's not that interesting, really. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, this is actually my favorite Falchi movie. Really? Wow. All right.
0: Wow. Okay, the only wow. other one,
1: I, the only other one I like more than this is uh, is um, uh, New York, New York Ripper.
0: Okay. Well, then this isn't your favorite Fulci movie.
1: Then. I'm sorry. Sorry.
0: The only one I like more than this. <laughs> and and you know what? My, when we sorry. do more Fulci movies, I'm gonna have to confront you on that because I think there's way better Fulci movies in his actual in his filmography. So I probably. Didn't.
1: I probably didn't see very many Fulci movies.
0: We're going to have some future discussions, sir.
1: Why don't we just Honest all watch... Honestly, we should all just watch bad. Sonoma's Ghost. we all just watch Sonoma's Ghost. We'll be happy. There's <laughs> Nazis. You're good.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'll just uh, throw a little bit of uh, trivia on this one. So, of course, Fulci has a cameo as Professor Muller early on in the film. There was an early VHS issue of this film where uh, the reels were out of order. Yep, there was actually a
1: misplaced real order. So continuity, fuck that oh, shit. Hold
0: on. Some, somebody could tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it actually made the film more incomprehensible. It was just more confusing than it was already, mm. uh, which is something, you know, that that's saying something. But I, I do like this film. Uh, I will t- totally acknowledge it's not one of his best films, honestly, especially in his sort of main trilogy that people cite, this is the lesser of, the, of those films. It is much more sort of the narrative is just totally out the fucking window, and it's much more dream logic than anything else. Yeah. I, I, th- I think the ending sort of plays to that, definitely. Yeah.
1: The kid doesn't uh, live. He's just locked in his own brain by the end of it. And Yeah. It, but you have to read into it. If you don't read it, you don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, and I mean it It doesn't help that like a lot of the Italian dubbing and stuff like the the English to the Italian to English doesn't it apparently doesn't translate very well, so a lot of the characters sound like they're fucking idiots,
1: oh like uh Bobby going downstairs, Mom told me you're not dead, so you're okay, come back, <laughs> yeah, uh, you saw her head fucking roll down the the wall, the stairway, so way to go on that one the I mean, most the two most interesting characters in the thing, and that's not even Freudstein, is Wheatley because he's just weird. <laughs> Over in the library, that guy's yeah, just yeah, yeah. off the wall. You know, you don't see any kind of shots of Peterson's death, which which would have made it more interesting. And and Anne is probably the most interesting character because she's just like evil, obviously. Yeah. And you don't know why, and she's the one who opened the door. So obviously something made her open the fucking door. I'm like, if you okay, you made this movie so long without explaining anything or trying to explain stuff the wrong way. You could have put two minutes in to let me know why. Anne is fucked up.
0: Yeah, it's, it's weird because they only make one sort of like initial foreshadowing to Anne, where the ghost of May sees a, a mannequin in the, the mannequin, window that looks yeah. like Anne, and it gets decapitated and yeah, sort of so you,
1: and the blood. Yeah, so you already know, you already have a pre sense of her death, but you don't know why she's in the story.
0: Yeah, so it throws a supernatural element as well with Freudstein. It almost feels like there's some sort of events being manipulated by him as well to some degree, it, whether it's. Manipulated by him, or if it's just like uh, sort of predestination of some sort. They, they um,
1: did make a lot of reference to uh, the her medication for some reason in the film too. Like shut up. Yeah, and
0: take that that was a weird subplot where it was like tension between the husband and wife, where she was like on medication of some sort. But they basically dropped it like halfway through yeah. the film, so it don't matter. Yeah. At the um,
2: beginning, I kind of thought this was gonna go in like a straw dogs kind of direction, like yeah, uh, yeah.
0: You know, it, it's you know the the academic
2: and his wife kind of you know sitting alone and you know beset from the outside. I was I just kept thinking of better movies. It was just a it was. Just a,
0: <laughs> but uh, can I, I can I make one
2: bit where I thought there was gonna be more gore than there was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the woman at the end when she falls down the flight of stairs I'm like the, the, dog, the, the, the film makes a makes an effort of making sure you know. Every, Every single step. And yeah. I kept thinking be like oh, That's I'm, great. gonna like start bleeding from the face on the way down. No, but no, no, it's like like man, you, you had a perfect opportunity. Like Bolty likes to take
1: her, put him in the films and then treat her like shit. Yeah.
2: That's
1: what he does with her. It's great. Best cameo was the black cat that sits on the tombstone. If you look at Freudstein at the end of the movie, which is a spoiler, alert, why the fuck do you put your killer on the front of your fucking album or your your, your cover? Please don't do that anymore. Yeah, because you know you see what Fursting looks like when you buy the movie. You don't even watch it. He has no eyes. Who, whose eyes do you keep on seeing in the fucking cellar?
0: Well, actually, if you do look closely, like he's shot very much in the dark. If you look very, very closely, you do kind of see eyes come out even in the le- in the ending scenes. Like I did, yeah. I was I, I I actually rewatched it tonight before I did the podcast, and you do get like a slight little reflection on his eyes in the mm. in the cellar scenes. The cool thing is, is like I just felt fu- I felt like like he's a really interesting monster that isn't like really utilized to his greatest no, extent.
1: No, yeah, yeah, it should have been much more about that and much more into the idea of surgery and chemi- and all this stuff, but it really wasn't. It was, I, I, it, was, it was a strange ghost story that failed.
0: Yeah, I like how his mouth kind of became atrophied and just basically disappeared on his body. Like it, yeah. it felt like that happened because he doesn't need to eat anymore. He just like absorbs like the blood cells of his victims and puts parts of them on him to rebuild himself or whatever. And I like the way that he kind of shambled and shit like he's constantly decaying he he he's definitely not right like there's no way he's ever going to be like become 100% again and become himself again yeah. and i I, th- I thought that was like sort of cool touches but yeah. i felt like the film re- like never really fully utilized that like one it, of if, the
2: the film doesn't love to the creature design i mean that's that's just yeah yeah. yeah
0: one
1: of the uh, definitely references that you, you can kind of get from this from the hp lovecraft is cold air with the doctor uh-huh. that constantly needs to To take the essence of people and stuff and and stay in the cold environment to stay alive and if you've done he just rots away like that so I mean there's a reference there's definitely a a very easy reference right there but I mean obviously you have like the castle freaks creeping deaths unnameable like all this shit there's horrors in the houses that kill people so I mean it's easy to get those references overall it's a very strange movie you have to understand you have to have a sense of it to enjoy it, like why it's like this. But at the same time, never look for answers. These films will always <laughs> give you more questions than ever will ever ever give you answers. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: your your final
2: thoughts, Dan? I feel like I've said what I need to say. It's uh, it was worth watching. I'm glad I watched it. It's uh, got some some cool effects. I did like the gore. I liked the you know etc. There's nothing really going on except like oh yeah, and then there's like some cool gore at the end. Like I don't know. Like yeah. That's really all I had to say about it yeah i'm I'm glad you I'm glad Paul and you and Paul get get uh more out of it honestly like I, I'm almost like, oh, I should maybe go and like watch this again and maybe pay a little more attention and try to get some of the nuances from it but then I'm like, no, I'm never gonna watch this thing again like it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, this it's just, is just
1: this is one you actually might l- understand less the more you watch it.
2: Yeah. i will I will absolutely watch more faulty films, but I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not gonna watch this again. It's just you know I'm not gonna
1: have this to is date. the one where I can understand anyone thinks it's a five out of ten at best. These are this yeah. is the one film that has the least amount of plot that I can understand besides Manhattan baby. That one made me so confused I shut it off.
0: <laughs> oh, so, I mean, yeah. so, there you go. I mean, uh, I'll just say this again. Anyone listening to this, I mean, if you're looking for a primer into Fulci, you're you're listening to the wrong podcast. These are the wrong two movies we're going to be doing that to get into Fulci.
2: And they gave me this list of films. They literally just gave me a list of films. So, so yeah, I'm we, just I'm just saying this for for the record for the audience. <laughs> like. I have no context for this. They just gave me a list of movies and said, watch these two, we're recording in a few days. Okay, sure, no problem. And so I just, like, I look it up, I find a source for it, I look it up, I hit play, I know nothing about it, and then that's my experience of watching the film. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so there's, you know, he's saying, oh, no, no, this isn't your primer. We This is how we gave it to Daniel. Like, that, that's fine, you know. We're yeah, just, just
0: just just to just uh, to level with you, Dan, we're kind of fucking with you on this one. <laughs> okay, that's fair.
2: I'm, I'm completely down with that. I, I completely you a, understand. You need a you need a bad
1: taste in your mouth so you can celebrate the good taste later.
2: Yeah, that's that's fine. I I, I get it. I'm not I'm not I'm not complaining because I did. Uh, I think I'll have more interesting things to say about the next film, honestly. So. Uh, right. It's called okay. tough one. Yeah, on.
0: On. yeah I'm, I'm gonna jump out for a sec for a pee break, and I'll be right back, guys. Yeah, All I'm right.
2: going
3: to get a I'm going to get another beer, so it sounds like a plan. drum oh, <laughs> Bow, <laughs> pa Round
1: and nnn pram nnn nnn pum dum du 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 pum 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 boom Someone's coming back. I can hear them. Anybody that likes to get into the death metal idea of music, definitely check out Morticians' House by the Cemetery, which has a lot of good samples from this movie, and is actually was one of my main introductions to this film. Uh, Mortician, they are a gore band from New York. They use a lot of samples in their movies, and because of that, I have discovered numerous amounts of films. Um, they quote the films in them in the in the liner notes, so definitely go check that out. You can get the House by the Cemetery vinyl now, that just got released. So definitely go check that out. This film is something that that if you don't likes, if you want continuity, don't don't watch the film. Basically, that's what it is. There's a lot of fun twists in it. Unfortunately, there should have been a lot more nudity and a little bit more plot structure, but overall, it's a pretty good film. That's my run on yeah, it for right you know,
0: now. are you doing the review without me. What's going on here?
1: I'm just doing it. You and Daniel abandoned me, so I did uh, music with my mouth for about three minutes, and I started.
0: Okay, well, well hopefully you can uh, regurgitate everything you just said. Uh, okay, now we're going to go into A Cat in the Brain.
3: Try to concentrate on the metronome. You will do everything I tell you to do. You nearly killed the telejournalist and smashed a camera. Yeah, stick on fire! And then you started to, to tear off Mrs. Herbert's clothes. But you won't remember anything. <laughs> You'll slowly be possessed by madness. <laughs> You'll think you've committed terrible crimes. What's the matter with you, Fucci? But I'll be the one who kills and wreaks the horror. Just like you do in your films. Doesn't look real to me yet. Get him out of my sight. I'll create an evil being who everyone will think is you. monster your films your scripts will condemn you as the murderer after all doesn't that stupid old theory say that seeing violence
2: on the screen provokes violence hmm? <laughs>
0: From 1990, also known as Nightmare Concert. Actually, it's probably better known as Nightmare Concert in North America. Uh, another yeah, Fulci but film. I, I never knew that. Yeah, um, I was actually kind of surprised to see that. Like I was looking for it, and I saw Nightmare Concert like basically just pop up everywhere when I was <laughs> looking for it. So, written by Fulci, uh, Giovanni Simonelli, and Antonio Tentori. and of course, it's, star- it's this is one that's actually starring Fulci as Doctor. Lucio Fulci, uh, David L. Thompson as Professor Egon Schwartz, uh, Melissa, Melissa Longo as Katia Schwartz. God damn it, your name sucks. Shilett N. Angel as Filippo, the producer. <laughs> Jeffrey Kennedy as Inspector Gabriele Venani, and Paolo Cozzo as Nurse. Okay, Nurse Lily. Do you want to try to tackle the uh, sort of synopsis for this one, Paul? <laughs>
1: Yeah, sure. I can I can give it a go. Um, right. Of course, cat Cat in the Brain is actually a play on Dr. Seuss's Cat in the Hat. So that's a pretty interesting thing. And uh, I will
2: not kill them on a plane. I will not kill them on a train. I will not, I will I not, kill, not them kill them wearing Nazi uniforms. Nope. <laughs>
1: The film is basically the idea of a man and and his film career suffering definitely uh, traumatic ideas of the mentality where he can't shut off his brain. He always finds something horrific in in life when he's looking at mundane things. He goes to a psychiatric for help who's also having relationship troubles. He's also a serial killer who uses Fulci's feeble mind at this, this point in time as a side plot Person to blame as a scapegoat, basically, and kind of moves Falchi around a little bit mentality-wise, uh, kind of probing probing into his dark side so he can remember more bad crap. Kind of uh, following his very moves, so while he goes around following Falchi, he can kill people. Just to know that Fulci was there as well, so as he's kind of a scapegoat. This definitely film has a lot more plot than um, most of his other films because there's actually a beginning, end, and middle to it. I mean, <laughs> it, the only thing is in it, that order it, actually. It, it's yeah. spiced. There's a there's a spiced with uh, you know Fulci goodness. The only thing is there's a lot of stock footage in this film. Yeah. But other than that, it's pretty good. Uh, pretty good film that it's 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 surprisingly watchable. That's a a base summary of the film.
0: All right. Uh, Daniel, your initial thoughts on this one. Sure. Sorry, I'm being a little bit of an asshole tonight. It happened.
2: (laughs) No, uh, this was uh, the first one I watched. You know, again, the title was there. I just looked it up. I found it, hit play, and suddenly I am engorged in a cat eating a brain, literally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some, some pretty intense gore. I was kind of like, oh, well, this is where Eli Roth got it from. Got it? Okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. You know, Eli Roth just ripped off his entire career from this movie, essentially. I'm, I'm well, he, up, right? he
0: pimped this film. He pimped this film. Oh, I know. I, I, he was,
2: I know. He was on the DVD release. I, I, I yeah. did. After I watched it, I did kind of look up a little bit to kind of get some context. Or yeah. Actually, I once I kind of got to, like, oh, it's the, the filmmaker, then I went, oh, is that actually Fulci? And then so I did kind of yeah. look up a little bit as I was uh, going through. If you are going to be introduced to a filmmaker, the best way to do that is totally to watch a clip show of his other movies yeah. uh, with, with a vaguely wraparound structure. I actually uh, liked the psychiatrist and the kind of the cop, the cat and mouse game. I thought it would have been a little bit more interesting of a structure because I kind of like police procedurals. It could have been like a, a uh, again a, <laughs> a stray dog. Um, you know, a Kurosawa film. I keep I keep thinking better films when I'm watching this. It's just one of those things. You know, and then with the uh, with the filmmaker is kind of a secondary character. Uh, I did um, like some of the footage. It has there's some surreal kind of elements going on to to certain sequences, which I think we'll get into. I do find, and even in 1990 when this film was made, uh, I do find that the the kind of the overarching structure of the is this real or is this fantasy kind of thing gets really really tired really really quickly. I don't think it's enough to quite motivate the whole film. But really, this is a film that's intended to uh, kind of just deliver a bunch of the gore effects. Uh, the gore effects are good. Uh, again, none of it looks remotely realistic. Um, my favorite moment is when the uh, killer has a vague general slice towards a woman's hand and cuts off her hand um, <laughs> in the floppiest manner possible. Um, I thought that was uh, that was uh, probably my favorite bit of the, uh, the gore in the film. Lots of lots of nudity, which, I don't know, I guess as we get on with the giallos, I'll talk a little bit more about the uh, combination of the violence and the nudity. I think that I will have things to say, but I'd like to save that for maybe a future episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think this one is a better film overall than uh, The House by the Cemetery. Really? Um, I do, yeah. Um, you know, it, it held my attention a lot better. It had a lot more kind of interesting stuff. What's funny is because I watched this one first, and I'm kind of like, man, I kind of want there to be... Less of the kind of abstract. I want there to be kind of a more straightforward plot, like a story I can follow. And then I saw the House by the Cemetery, and I went, No, 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 the other way was better. The other way was better. (laughs) Yeah, let's just do the abstract thing. I'm I'm down. This, this is. I'll just summarize it one more sentence, and I'll say this is Fellini's Eight and a Half, if Fellini was a um, was a horror filmmaker.
0: Yeah, it it does sort of draw from that. I mean, it's got that sort of almost sort of meta quality to it to a certain degree. This is definitely more of a love letter to Fulci's fans to to a certain degree as well. Like, Fulci was trying to, like, sort of re- reinvigorate his career at this point. Uh, this movie and I can't remember the other movie he was making at the time, but this, this was sort of be to try to sort of jumpstart his career again. I don't know if it uh, quite totally works. It takes a couple clips from, like, Fulci films that he was uh, involved in. A couple? Uh, yeah, well, a couple. Like, some of them were it's films that he 75% of the movie. You know, some of the films were were ones he had nothing to do with, though, like not ones he directed, at the very least. Uh, I mean, Il Fantasma di Sodoma, Guano Alice, Rup le Shepico, Non aver Pala della zia Marta, Massacre, Bloody Psycho, and Hansel e Gretel. The original script for this was 49 pages long and contained no dialogue. It uh, consisted basically of descriptions of bodily mutilations and imageries and sounds, that w- effects that would complement them on screen. The film was uh, composed almost entirely in post-production, uh, assembled from clips from Fulci's past horror films and wraparound segments featuring Fulci were largely shot in, around Rome's famous uh Studios, home of master Italian filmmaker Fellini. So, so it was actually done in Fellini's home, which is quite <laughs> something to say. Uh, I'll say, like, I, I kind of enjoy this one. I feel like it's kind of almost a satire of, of uh, Fellini's film, or not Fellini, Fulci's films, to a certain degree. Like, It's almost like a comment on the sort of negative criticism he got over... The years where everyone just basically basicallyouted him as like basically saying, "Oh, you're a sadist. You're you're a monster. You're a misogynist. Uh, all the all these different things." And he's like, "Okay, well, if I'm that, I'm going to put all these in a film and I'm going to comment on them." And I mean, all the different set pieces basically sort of follow through with that, like the like everything from just straight on gore massacre shit to like Nazi exploitation and you know, overall I actually kind of enjoy it, but i and I'll I'll say this is like the first time I watched it all the way through for the podcast. I I had I had seen bits and pieces of it here and there. I think it works fairly well considering this is a patched together film with a lot of like stock footage. I, I think they implemented it pretty well for for what you've you have on screen. I think the narrative Definitely works better than a lot of Fulci films in that in that regard. Like a lot of his narratives just aren't straight ahead at all. I, I can see why I can see why Daniel liked this one a lot more than Host by the Cemetery. That's, that's sort of where I sit on it. Any more thoughts from both of you? Definitely. I didn't. Uh, I didn't my thoughts yet. Well, okay. Well, there you go, Paul. Give your <laughs> thoughts. There
1: you go. Definitely good film. I like it a lot. It's fun. It's very self-aware of what it's trying to do. It's It knows it's being satire. It knows it's being self-stroking to Fulci a little bit. It's definitely a good stroke for Fulci, especially how he's treated as a, almost a like a super high-class star in the film, like stuff that normally gets people shot he can do, and people are like, yo, Mr. Fulci, what you going? What's going going? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's really kind of funny, just chopping the shit out of red paint buckets. We're good. The reason I say, and I'll go back to what Daniel said before, the reason I say a beginning, end, and middle is because... Most of his films, the middle is where people go, what the fuck? This is something he actually has a middle that you can actually watch and stick with because the mm-hmm. plot, the killing, the meat. The, there's stuff that, that keeps you motivated, keeps you in the film a little bit more – well, than the house by
2: the cemetery anyway. Obviously, there's the there's definitely a narrative you can follow here. Sorry not to – Exca- Exactly. You know. Um, when, I, when I made the joke of, like, in that order, it's because, like, at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, and then it turns out I was following you around the whole time. Like, yeah, you know, like, it kind of gives you that thing. It's like, I actually would have... Like kind of like to have watched it in that order, you know. Like yeah, police the procedural the side cop of it. narrative
1: at the end is more like added just to the end because cops, I don't think usually walk walk up in just you know trench coats, jeans, and running shoes. I was about
0: to say, yeah, th- th- those were the worst detectives ever. Yeah, because,
1: and oh, let's throw the blanket out them and walk away. That was the end of the cop scene. So that was fun. they're undercover. You know, it's a thing. Yeah. It's but same. I mean, if it's you Italy, been, man,
2: come on, they're all just fucking. Italy
0: everyone
1: drives day. on fucking mopeds and it goes chow.
0: Yeah. But 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 I mean, if you, if you look at the very ending of the film, it's kind of a cheat anyway because it's like it was all Fulci's film. In yeah. The end, yeah. Essentially, yeah.
1: Uh, I like. Did you guys notice the boat perversion? Yeah. The boat, not, the boat awesome name perversion. Uh, that's the name of one of his first uh, thrillers. Perversion. They yeah, and him, and, so. and uh,
0: there are yeah, there are definitely other nods to his films. Like there's that uh, sequence where he's walking through the mist and stuff. That's essentially yeah. like a nod to both uh Host Cemetery and The Beyond where yeah. where the endings sort of have you that actually, sort of
1: you actually hear the, the soundtrack from The Beyond playing at the time.
0: Yeah. Is exactly, uh,
1: that yeah. you you get to see basically a good, good damn portion of uh, Touch of Death. His film, Touch of Death, is basically the main film that you watch. And in part of it, they're actually doing pre-production for Touch of Death. They're, they're, they're playing it, which is also funny that the guy is watching it on film. Then the psychiatrist is watching it on his TV. I'm like, they're just filming that. How would you do that? That's pretty cool. You get to see uh, the black cat at the beginning eating the brains. You get to see Sonoba's ghost, another Nazi uh, exploitation film. And then obviously I said already that you get to hear a lot of the Beyond soundtrack. There's a there's another film being shot when while he's walking through the mist of a woman in the woman in the in the tombs. I actually thought that was a better movie than some of his other films. i was like boy, I would have liked to watch that. It was pretty goddamn cool. I love the gore effects. The psychiatrist aspect is very interesting. I like the plot of the film. It doesn't build off plot very much, but I do like it. He's very unimposing, though. I can't take him – I have a hard time taking him seriously, especially with that – I don't know, the the grin on his face the whole time when he's walking (laughs) through as a girl. I do love the part where she's like, take my money. Fuck your money. And cuts off her arm with the sharpest hatchet in the fucking world and then just decides to go, oh, by the way, and your head's going to fall off too. And her head just goes – wow. That's pretty fucking good. (laughs) That guy is either the strongest man in the world or that is the best hatchet ever.
2: So yeah, that's the sharpest that must hatchet have been, ever. That
1: must have been made by Ginsu or something. That is fucking great. Yeah. Saw through a fucking tin can with that. So the It was same thing. Star
2: Wars. It was a lightsaber, really. You
0: know, was, yeah. There you
1: go. <laughs> Super cauterized. Yeah. Uh, overall, it's a pretty fun film, definitely. As as I did say, that this let's call it a loose plot, but it's still a plot. It does have a beginning, middle. And end, which is pretty fun. I'm trying to think of anything else I can say about the film running through a brain skull face. In the end of it, it's just another movie. You know, to him, it's I'm just filming a film, you know, it's all in a film, it's all in your brain, it's okay. You know what I mean? There's a lot of that in there, it's how you take it. And I like to play off the psychiatrist. You know, I have to go to psychiatrist cuz screw all these horror movies just fuck me up, you know what I mean? And and it's just a fun film and it's definitely self aware of what it's trying to be. It's it's basically Fauci having a fun time, self masturbatory kind of a thing, yeah. you know, boosted, and uh, there was a big plot film that they boost to try to shoot, uh, try to push uh, some of his other films, like Touch of Death, things like that, so it's definitely a fun film, I would watch a couple of other f- films first, maybe even Touch of Death, since you're going to watch it anyway while you watch this film. So I would watch some of his other films and then then uh you know kind of bathe in the glory that's Fulci at the end. He can yeah. do no wrong in this film as we see, you know, he apparently goes into a Sodoma's ghost mentality, assaults, a camera smashes it and then almost rips all the clothes off a woman. He goes up and apologizes and she's like, "Oh, it was beautiful." Oh. <laughs> He does no wrong in this film. No one he is God in this film. I mean women strip for him in the streets, you know, people he can wreck everything and everyone's like, Are you okay? Do you want a dollar? I'm fine with it. So <laughs> other than that, it's a fun film. I, I'll I'll just I'll just stop talking about Cat in the Brain now, but it's a fun film.
0: But I'll have to ask both of you do you fear hamburger and gardeners?
1: No. I would eat the tartar chaos. I would
0: just eat, <laughs> eat the Tartar chaos. There's, there's a lot of stuff here where it's sort of like comments on like the gore in his films where he's, he seems like he's totally disturbed by the stuff he's done over his career. It's sort of built up to him. And it's like I, I can't take it anymore. Like, and he also there's a fun like moment where he's watching the effects of like an eyeball gag, which he's not famous for. That that's one of his biggest motifs is the sort of uh, sticking something in somebody's eyeball. Like that's yeah. happened in several of his films, and he's watching this like not real enough, not real Got enough. Got to gotta enough. do it over. And there's a bowl um, of
1: eyeballs there, if you know. And they go yeah. through and there's eyeballs everywhere. Uh, the one thing I will say that I forgot to mention, sorry about that, Lee, is the worst actor in the film is Falchi. Just I let you know that.
0: No, okay. no, to- totally. Like he, he's definitely not an actor. Like he's done cameos before, but I, I actually like his performance.
2: I, I, I will, no, uh, I, I will defend it.
0: I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying, like, definitely he's the worst actor in the entire film. But at the same time, I'm not saying he's crap. Uh, yeah, he's not crap. He's just, he's just the most unprofessional of of yeah. all the actors.
2: Uh, he's film. used to being on the
1: other side, so
2: I can he's, understand. That. He's not. Although, I mean, he doesn't give himself a, a. There's not like a wide range. It's really just kind of like. I walk I around and kind of be uh, pathetic in my sweater vest, and then uh, I see something that's horrifying, and then I look horrified by it, and then uh, I walk around somewhere in my sweater. I mean, it's, it's big... like Mr. Rogers. I, I love I love the juxtaposition <laughs> between it... like how mal- mild-mannered this guy is, and then like the just the just the sheer gore. And I, I will mention another effect as long as we're um, I really love the shot of the torso that has had the head chopped off. Leaning into frame and like starting to spurt blood, which yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. Fulton likes it too because he used it like eight times. So yeah,
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> probably my be- my most funny death is uh, I think it is also from Touch of Death is when basically the guy just puts a girl's head in a box and shuts the lid and her head falls off.
0: That's yeah, all. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much, yeah. And uh, interesting enough, like speaking of like actors, like uh, actor Brett Hazley said in an interview that he didn't even know he was in the film until quite some time after the film was released. Uh, Fulci had used clips of him from uh, Touch of Death, of course, uh, without ever notifying Hazley. So <laughs> Hazley says he was kind of pissed off by Fulci. and Fulci had kind of a reputation of being like kind of a prick yeah. in, in, a, in a lot. of Productions. I mean, as as beloved as he is, like he's kind of considered like the uh, Italian George Romero to a certain degree, because right. he's got that sort of like friendly grandpa kind of like persona to him to a lot of people. But he was kind of a prick. Like he he actually was kind of a uh, asshole kind of abusive prick on a lot of his sets. Apparently, it's a way stock, like but you know. Yeah, Hitchcock, but without the talent. Uh, right, and but, uh, yeah,
1: Hitchcock was scary, angry, scary, scary.
0: So, i, I got to say, like, okay, so this film was also cut to death, like, all pretty much Fulci's films. It was just chopped to shit. The German version of this film was 66 fucking minutes long. The full version is the version we all saw was 93 minutes long. There's also an 87 minute version of this. For me, I feel like this kind of is a really good watch for people who are looking into Italian film history. This is sort of the quintessential look at where the Italian film industry had gone at that point. It basically shows that the film industry in Italy had not kept caught up to everyone else at this point. Yeah. Like, if you if you look at this film, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to destroy I'm not trying to on this film. Okay, it does not look like a film shot in 1990. It looks like no, a 1970. I, I think
1: I like that's the best part I like about it. That's my favorite okay. part about the film.
0: Okay, well the, the thing I gotta say though is like this looks like a film from the 1970s. Yeah, yeah, it does. that
1: that's
0: that's what hurts it in 1990. The Italian film industry for quite a while was very much, it it was contemporary with Hollywood films to a certain degree, and it was copying Hollywood films and recycling them and making a lot of money off them. This was sort of the dying era of Italian exploitation film. And you look at it, and you can kind of see, like, in 1990, this just really doesn't fucking cut it anymore. Uh, The budget really shows it. Like, the budget was $100,000, and that is actually, at that point, still pretty big. for. Really? I thought it was very
1: little. For, for,
0: for an Italian film, still, oh for an like,
1: Italian film, yeah, never mind. Sorry, you can make twenty for those.
0: Yes, yeah, still kind of big for for that for for that sort of uh, industry, and you you kind of look at the quality of the film stock and everything like that. It it really doesn't cut it for nineteen ninety. Yeah, uh, I can I can understand why Fulci did not relaunch his career off this film, which he right. was trying to write.
2: Um, there were I mean I actually think the movie doesn't look terrible. I, no, I mean, no, it doesn't. I, uh, I don't even think it looks that out of place for 1990, quite, quite honestly, oh, especially really? for low-budget films in 1990. Um, I mean, you know, we kind of think in terms of, like, I don't know, if you go and compare this to something like, I know, Beverly Hills Cop, which was 87, so, or yeah. 84, I think. You know, you compare it to something like that, I mean, it definitely looks a little bit like video. It looks a little bit kind of, you know, not, not quite up to, like, cinematographic standards. You know, the thing is that, like, now we think of stuff from 1990, and we think Think like oh it's you know what survives to this day you know what I mean as opposed to what stuff actually kind of looked like at that time and uh, there's always been this kind of thing of like uh, Hollywood production values being much much higher than uh, I mean I think this doesn't look really any worse than say Maniac Cop for instance.
0: I don't, no, no, I
2: don't. No. I, don't th- I don't think. I think it fits in pretty well with with something like that. Just to name something that we looked at recently, that's made during that same time period. In fact, Maniac Cop's a few years later, and arguably should have higher production values. I mean, I think Maniac Cop does look better than this, but I don't think it looks like dramatically better. You know, I think that really what we're talking about. I think when you say it doesn't look very good, I think it's really like Fulci was a filmmaker starting in like '59, really, and he's just he's just making films in his old way. I would compare this to sort of like the later Woody Allen films, like the stuff like Small Town Crooks and, you know, you know that era of Woody Allen's career before he kind of started working with modern cinematographers again, when he was still making stuff that kind of looked like the stuff he made in the 70s and 80s, even though he was making it in the 21st century. You know, it's not necessarily that the budget wasn't there, the technology wasn't there, it's just that, Woody Allen's just kind of doing his thing the way he'd always done it. And I think this is Fulci just kind of doing this in the way he'd always done it. I really like the vibe and the look of the film. I think I,
1: that's what I like. That's what I look for in horror films, that kind of vibe, that feel, uh, and the look of the film. I do enjoy that. It's just a little better for me than that. You could go out and get the VHS films. They were shot on VHS and stuff like that. These, This is what the nuance of the film. I love when I watch Fulci films. It has that nuance, that look of it. Um, especially like if you watch new Dario Argento films and stuff like that they look like shit compared to the stuff that I used to make back in the day as far as the vibe and the film quality and stuff like that I prefer the older stuff but I'm a bitter old man I will always be a bitter old man.
0: Well, once we get to Argento, I will have something to say about his later films. And I totally agree with you. But uh let, let me just say I'm not trying to say that this film looks like shit, because I don't think it does. No, like I'm no, no. I, I I'm I'm not I'm not against how this looks. I'm just saying that up to the standards of Hollywood contemporary stuff at the at this point. I think the oh, yeah. Italian. I think the Italian film industry had sort of saw, seen its day, and it was in decline it, it, at this point. Yeah, the
1: day and the sun is over now.
0: Yeah, I I, I kind of feel like it just it just was way behind what everyone was doing to a mm-hmm. certain degree. I think that shows in this film. Like there, this wasn't the money anymore. I think that's basically mm-hmm. it. Like. Uh, a lot of Italian exploitation films—they were getting tons of money. They were—they were making tons of films for throughout the 80s. Once they sort of hit like the late 80s to the 90s, that kind of dried up. And I think this is sort of indicative of that to a certain degree. That's why it's probably not as well known as it should be. Like I actually kind of think this is a pretty good movie, honestly. Yeah. Especially because again, I say it's a movie that incorporates a lot of like clip footage from other movies. And usually those movies are fucking terrible, like just unwatchable at all. This is actually watchable. It's interesting, especially if you're a Fulci film uh, mm-hmm. fanatic, you're you're a big fan of his. This is a lot of fun because it's very self-referential. Uh, a lot of in-jokes, a lot of sort of satire yeah. and just, you know, basically shitting on his critics because he, he is a guy who hated his critics and was very vocal about how much he hated his critics. So he basically made a movie where he wanted to thumb his nose at his critics critics by basically putting everything in this fucking movie that his critics said he was and making fun of it. So yeah. to, to that degree, I think this movie is actually quite a bit of a success and a bit of an unknown gem to some degree. And I think it's actually worth seeing. But I, I would say this, watch his other films first before you get into this one. I mean, right. I, I would say go to Zombie, uh, go to Black, films, Black Cat, City cat yeah. city, Living Dead, uh, the Beyond, of course, which is, I think is his masterpiece, which we will do at some point. If you're a big Fulci fan, this is definitely one to see and enjoy. So I can give the- uh,
1: my final thoughts and a question. I got a question mm-hmm. too.
0: Okay. Um,
1: final thoughts: This is definitely a good film. I really like it. It reminds me of uh, of the new the new film, uh, newer film of My Name Is Bruce, the self-aware, yeah. self-policing uh, film. That it is, you know what I mean? It's it's pretty yeah. damn fun. It's definitely a fun film, and it's built for the character to go to town on himself, and it's built for the fans to enjoy it.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I totally agree.
1: Now, did you guys notice the maybe unintentional homage in the beginning of the film with Fulci's outfit? Because I think, in my own perspective, that's his own personal homage to Ed Game.
0: With with the plaid and
1: the and the hat yeah. and stuff, yeah, <laughs> that is exactly Ed Gein's outfit, and I'm wondering if he did that intentionally to do like a little uh, mini homage to Ed Gein.
0: I was with, wondering why the fuck he was wearing that stuff because I was what, like would Fulci ever wear fucking plaid? Like it just felt very well, out of place. It was well, like wow. if
1: you looked at if you looked at it, it was summer. It looked like hot out. <laughs> I'm like, you're wearing fucking plaid and a plaid hat to go with it. And that's exactly what Ed Gein was wearing when he was arrested.
0: Okay, that that might very well, you might very well have caught on to something because uh, I hadn't thought about it, but it struck me as weird when I was watching the early on the films. Like, why is this, like, sort of dignified Italian horror director wearing that shit?
1: Yeah. And right at that point in the film, in the beginning, is when the meat, he was trying to eat the meat and stuff like that if you know what i'm saying like put it yeah. all together so there you go that's yeah. my little did you if you noticed that or if you got what i'm saying that was my question overall the film good film definitely self self uh, self indulgent and i think you should you, you should indulge yourself in it Definitely. Uh, There was another thought, but unfortunately that escaped my tiny little man brain.
0: So if if we have nothing else to say about it, I'll just jump into Daniel. Tell us about your Doctor Who podcast.
2: Sure. um, You should, if you are interested in listening to me talk about stuff, or Doctor Who in particular, and leftist politics, which seems to be more and more what we talk about on my other podcast, I uh, do a Doctor Who podcast called Always Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. I do it with my uh, wonderful wife. You can find that
0: at Com. And Paul, where can we find you on the interwebs?
2: Oh, find
1: me over at PA Brew News, one word, the YouTube channel about all about beer, and then uh, my YouTube channel about metal of Funeral Dust Six 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 on YouTube, and you can find me on on Facebook at PA Brew News. Just like to throw a little thing in here, because I don't know if I mentioned it yet. If you want to go see another awesome podcast about paranormal, weird stuff, you know, conspiracies, the whole deal, go check out Project Archivist. So, projectarchivist.com. I'm throw that in there too.
0: All right, you, you have to send me that link, and I'll stick it on the uh, the old uh, link list on our Podbean site. Stick it in there. Stick it right in deep. Very deep. Um, All right. So uh, thank you very much, uh, people, for listening. Uh, We're going to be back next week. What are we doing next week? Are we doing Argento, I think?
1: Argento, but I couldn't remember the other movie we were doing, so we'll have to check it out.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be two Argento films either way. So uh, we'll be getting into Argento next week. I think Daniel will enjoy this much more than he enjoyed these two films.
2: <laughs> I, I I did. Uh, I did. I mean, I, I did like uh, Cat in the Brain. We're doing Deep Red and Tenebrae next week. Okay. Yes. Yep. I have the list because I don't remember them because I haven't seen them, so I have to... Oh,
0: Daniel's going to have a giallogasm next week. Oh, yes, yes, he will. (laughs) Are
2: the giallogasms, do they look like raspberry jam coming out of my cock? Is that the way that works?
1: Only if you wear
2: black gloves. Yeah, only if you
1: wear...
2: (laughs) I do. I wear black gloves all the time. Then you're good to go.
0: Yeah, you you are set, sir. And yep. I think we're gonna go out. Uh, I forgot to mention with uh, Host by the Cemetery. Uh, if if anything with uh, Fulci films, that has the best soundtrack out of any of his fucking films, yes. I think. Yeah, and either is really
1: good good film. Yeah, so. and we're
0: gonna go out on a piece from that film for our final uh, song on this. And thank you very very much for everyone for listening. Thank you, Daniel and Paul. And we're fucking signing out. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Unpleasant
1: dreams you <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For our other episodes, links to Daniel, Paul, and Lee's other stuff, and links to some great podcasts of similar interest, visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can leave us comments on the site or directly email us. We Listen and respond to everything. Thank you. Drive through.